It's Dave O and Killian White's KC Press Box, powered by FanDuel. The KC Press Box, where you get the sports headlines that you care about. Plus, learn to make cold, hard cash with the Sportsbook 101 that teaches you every aspect of sports investing. The lineup is ready. The players are set. And now, let's head to the KC Press Box with your hosts, Dave O and Killian White. Well, this is the first time I've come out of my house in six days. Out of the basement of my house, to be exact. Out of the dungeon where it's dark in my house, to be exact. Channeling my inner Aaron Rodgers here. It is Devo on the KC Press Box. We lost the lock of the week last week. I took a rare L on the lock of the week. Still 46-22 and 22 overall, though, hitting 68%. We'll have another lock of the week. Get back on track here a bit later in today's show. And you might be wondering, where is... Sharpshooting Killian White this week. My friend Killian White uh, tested positive for herpes, so he is out. No, I'm just kidding. He's got COVID-19, so we do send Killian um, our thoughts. He's struggling a bit, but I'm sure he'll be back in the saddle next week as we preview the Final Four next week and do our MLB opening day show, uh, a little preview. We'll do that probably next Tuesday or Wednesday of next week as we get going and get ready for MLB to start. Can you believe it? But I'm going to be flying solo today. So you're stuck with just me the next 30 minutes or so here on the KC Press Box with our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Appreciate you listening. Make sure you check out FanDuel if you haven't downloaded the app yet. Incredible time to do so. We have 16 teams left in the big tournament. Eight games total. And we're going to predict all eight games against the spread on this show. Okay? Lock of the week. We're going to get back on track. Even a little bit of NFL news as well. I got to start the show here with a bad beat, though. I'm going to take a sip of my Diet Pepsi here. Give me one sec. Mm. But, man, there was a a bad beat. Well, there was two really bad beats during the, the first you know weekend of games here in the uh, NCAA tournament. The one that really made me upset was the one I had money on, and that was the College of Charleston, plus five and a half, taken on San Diego State. And they they were within that five and a half for probably 36 out of the 40 minutes. It was consistently like a two-point to seven-point game, basically. Um, Of course, Charleston led the first third of the game or so and then kind of ended up in that, yeah, down two to down seven stage for the majority of the game. Well, they're down four points with literally... One second left on the clock. They just miss a shot. They try to like tie the guy up, and they would have had the the San Diego State guy. They tried to tie him up for the uh, jump ball. They would have had the arrow. So they tried that for two or three seconds after they missed down four. Eventually, they couldn't get the the call on that and just fouled the guy down four with 1.2 seconds left in the game. It was actually 0.2 originally on the clock, and the, and, and the, the buzzer even sounded if you watch it live. So the refs probably could have just let it go at that point, a four-point game with the buzzer sounding. They they reviewed it, put one second back on the clock, made it 1.2. And, of course, San Diego State went down and made both free throws to win by six with 1.2 seconds left. So I lost that Charleston game by a half point. That was one of my five favorite bets of the week. So that was frustrating. Um, of course, the Memphis is not really a bad beat because Memphis didn't play very well in that game. They were fighting uh, on the sidelines against Florida Atlantic. Penny Hardaway just letting his team go at it during one of the timeouts and just kind of sitting it out, which I thought was odd. Lost that Memphis game. That was the lock of the week. That wasn't really a bad beat, per se. I will say Memphis was up by one, and they did call timeout. The refs did not acknowledge it. They called timeout over and over and uh, let the jump ball happen. And then Florida Atlantic got the ball and went down and got the winning shot. If the refs called the timeout there, 
Memphis has then fouled with, what, six seconds left and a chance to hit free throws to cover the one and a half. So that was kind of a bad beat in a way. I won't really count that as a bad beat just because, you know, Memphis played that crap, for being honest. Probably didn't deserve to win the game. So that just happens. That's basketball. So I'm not going to count that as a bad beat. But there was the worst beat of the weekend I did not have money on. <laughs> the worst beat of the weekend is if, well, first of all, do you know what I'm talking about here? I don't know if you do or not, but it was Gonzaga um, against TCU. Gonzaga was four and a half point favorites against TCU in their first game. And... Or so that was the second game, wasn't it? Sorry, that was the round of 32 game. Um, Gonzaga up four gets fouled with less than two seconds left on the clock. They go to the line and drill both free throws. And if you've got Zaga, you just got the front door cover. It's kind of a bad beat either way, right? Because TCU's been covering the whole game. And then they give away the, the garbage time free throws. And now TCU is no longer covering. So if you're a Zag better, you got them at four and a half. They're up six with like two seconds left. You're like, man, we got this. <laughs> <laughs> but then TCU throws the ball to half court on the inbounds, throws up a three-pointer from half court, and makes it. <laughs> it loses by three. So it ends up that Gonzaga goes from not covering to covering with two seconds to not covering on a half court three-point shot. So either side you were on on that was going to be a bad beat, but it was pretty incredible watching that game. I don't think the announcers at first knew what was going on. One of the color guys came in and kind of made a joke about it, but you could hear like <laughs> the cheer and the groan simultaneously when that three-point shot went in and man I just I, I I love sports betting like that's incredible like just hearing the people the joys and the and the and the soul crushing loss of having Gonzaga on the four and a half so uh anyway th- those were kind of the three there was two bad beats I don't count the Memphis I had money on the Memphis I did not have money on the Gonzaga but I wanted to make sure I threw in the Gonzaga as just an absolutely awful uh a beat there either way on that one uh, definitely called to Charleston, bad beat, and then the, the Memphis was just you know, frustrating. They really could have won that game still, despite playing like crap. So, but that's that's the way things roll. So, all right. Well, we got the uh, the tournament this weekend. By the way, is in Kansas City. For those who don't know. And tickets are remarkably cheap, by the way. I am going out there uh, on Friday night, uh, taking the girlfriend and her nine-year-old son. Very excited for his first college basketball game. He is, by the way, currently we have a a big uh, office pool up here at the radio station with 31 people. And the nine-year-old boy, first ever bracket, is in second place. Over No one else in the pool, I think, is below like 25 years old. Everyone's like several pools, you know, they've experienced several years now. They've entered several pools and his first one, nine years old, he's in second place with a shot at winning it because he does have Alabama. My champion, Kansas, crashed and burned, right? And let's start there. We have our three main takeaways uh, from the first weekend of basketball games. Kansas is my first takeaway. I think there's no doubt they win that game with Bill Self on the sideline. I don't think that's, you know, that hot of a take, I think arguably a, the best current coach in college basketball or certainly a guaranteed top three best current coach is worth two points, right? Somehow they win that game with him on the sideline. Things like Kansas walking the ball up and getting a 10-second call probably don't happen. Probably Jalen Wilson gets a little bit more designed for him. He had an okay game but left some points out there. Some subs are different. Just Just having him out there, you know, and the huddles and the momentum and seeing things and even with the refs working the refs that's a big thing so you know all that comes with bill self not being there i think was probably the deciding factor but look arkansas is a damn good team i mean that's not an eight c right 
that's what, a five or a six seed realistically? That's a much better team than an eight seed, especially now that they're healthy. Uh, you know, three kids g- going to play in the NBA someday for Arkansas. So I, r- I really, really thought that uh, that was, you know, not as bad of a loss for Kansas as it might look uh, at first glance, just because of the fact that they do have so much upside talent um, on that basketball team. But I, I do think my first of three takeaways is that Bill Self, if he's on the sideline, KU does get that dub. Second thing, can we talk about Tennessee? I mean, Tennessee could arguably be the most dangerous team left in the tournament. Right. And to me, there's only three teams right now that are capable of winning the national championship. And those teams are, of course, Alabama. Of course, Gonzaga, who we'll talk about in a bit. But Tennessee, too. I I just think Tennessee legitimately could win the whole thing. I love Julian Phillips, the freshman wing. And then Santiago, Santiago Vescovi, the senior guard, all SEC first team. I mean, they're fantastic in the backcourt on the wings, but it's just like a long physical team. I mean, you saw in that game against Duke, I, you know, and, and I had Duke in the Final Four. It's you know, early on, I knew I was screwed in that game. About the twelve-minute mark of the first half, I knew that game was over, and they were only down six or seven. Duke was. They couldn't even get the damn ball inbounds, and I'm not talking full court press. I'm talking just like, you know. On their side of the court, like they couldn't even inbound the ball multiple times, barely. They called timeout, had a five, nearly had turnovers. I'm like, I mean, two other times. It was just the kind of defense that Tennessee plays, the length, the physicality, uh, uh, you know, uh, along with the ability to put the ball in the basket. I mean, I just think this is a dangerous team. I love Phillips, especially. So look out for Tennessee. Uh, I kind of obviously wish I would have picked them over Duke, but you know, I, I just thought having the big injury, the torn ACL, their best player, I, I thought that that was a team that I knew they were elite coming, you know, a month ago or whatever, just from watching them and, and wagering on them a few times during the SEC season. But I thought with him being out, maybe they wouldn't be able to make this type of a run. But I think I was wrong on that. And, and speaking of the SEC, when did the SEC get to be so good at basketball? I mean, I know Kentucky's been great. I know Florida's been great in the past. I know there's always been good teams there. But it just seems like the SEC's like gone up a notch. The quality of that league is right on par with any in the country. Now, Gonzaga is my third takeaway. I'm going to have a bonus fourth takeaway, too. Gonzaga is my third takeaway. I really do think they're a, a true threat to make the Final Four. And this is typically a team year in and year out that I roll my eyes at because they play in the West Coast Conference, the WCC, which, you know, St. Mary's does, too. But outside of those two, typically, you don't have a lot in the WCC. You know, there, was, there was years when Pacific was great, when they had that coach that was like 150 years old that's since retired. But, you know. You know, that league is not typically that great. San Diego University, not San Diego State, not the one that's in the tournament, but the San Diego Toros in that league, Loyola Marymount, um, amongst others. And and But this year, though, Gonzaga is, is the deal. I mean, Drew Timmy, we know about him, right? But the guard play on this team is fantastic. Man, this team is freaking good. And we're going to talk more about them and preview all eight matchups here in a second. So I'll save some of my thunder for Gonzaga. A bonus quick takeaway that I did have from the round uh, uh, or from the first round of the round of 32 games is what a disappointing draw for the Big Ten. And I'm a Big Ten guy. My Nebraska Cornhuskers in the Big Ten, but, you know, seeing Purdue lose is a, what, a 23 and a half or 24 point favorite there? 
against FDU, who didn't even technically win their conference. They were the second-place team, but the, the first-place team in that league was not allowed to go to the tournament because they're just becoming D1, so they got the bid there. And, you know, FDU even lost. It was interesting. I was reading an article on the University of Hartford, which is in that Northeastern Conference. So the first-ever win for the NEC was with FDU in this tournament. But it, what's interesting is FDU had some just absolutely awful losses. Go back and look at it if you get bored. They lost to Hartford University, which has now gotten rid of their basketball program. This was the last year of Hartford's program, everyone transferred. Their coach is suing the school and quit before the year. And somehow FDU lost to them. They won two Division One games all year. FDU and some other slapdick team. So it's interesting to see FDU go out and beat Purdue and then, you know, take Florida Atlantic for 39 minutes. You know, that was a, a game until the last minute or two left. And Purdue is just, we, we talked about it last week. They're frauds. I've known that all year. Now, did I think they were going to lose to FDU? Absolutely not. Nobody thought that was going to happen. But I knew that wasn't an Elite Eight team. I knew that was probably, if it, you know, for sure not a Final Four team. I suppose if everything broke their exact way, they could have been an Elite Eight team, but they were not more than that. That was probably a Sweet 16 team all year, but the the pollsters just fell in love with Purdue for some reason. Not an athletic team. They have Zach Eady down low, as we talked about, but he's hit or miss, and the guard play is just completely bipolar in that club, and we saw it there. Don't have the speed. I mean, FDU just blew right by him. That was pathetic, but all in all, a bad draw by the Big Ten. You only have one team left in the Sweet 16, and that's Michigan State. So we're going to go game by game here in a second, uh, go through the, the the round of 16 here. But real quick, I do want to throw in some NFL notes here. Um, just some things that have kind of popped. Isaiah McKenzie signs with the Colts. We don't know exactly who the Colts quarterback is going to be. Is it Lamar Jackson? There's some rumors there. I don't know. I think Lamar is still probably in Baltimore when the music stops and he's back in that chair. But we'll see. Ronald Jones, former chief. Now going to the Cowboys, who walked away from Zeke Elliott. It'll be interesting to see where Zeke ends up. Cam Newton still trying to get back in the league with open tryouts. Bro, did you not invest your money good enough? Are you that bored? Come on, man. The time has passed. Um, Damian Harris signs with Buffalo, who then sees Devin Singletary go to the Texans. A little running back musical chairs there. Harris to Buffalo. Singletary from Buffalo to the Texans and D'Amico Ryan's there. Mac Holland signs with the Falcons. We'll see who their quarterback is. Outside chance that could be Lamar as well. Adam Thielen, a guy that was linked to the Chiefs, a great slot receiver that a lot of people thought was going to sign here, ends up signing with the Carolina Panthers. Brandon Cooks to Dallas. Laramie Tunstall, another guy that the Chiefs were linked to in trade talks. Perhaps they were going to start Jawan there at right tackle and bring him in at left. But no, he extends and stays with the Texans. And one other NFL note is that Roger Goodell going to be extended as the commish. I guess he seems like he's an okay commish, right? I mean, the NFL is the best thing going pro sports-wise in the, in the U.S., so that would make sense. So... Sorry to get another drink right real quick. Not having a co-host makes it a little more difficult to drink. Um, again, we'll have an opening day prediction next week along with the uh, the final four. We'll go through those games. But for now, though, let's go through the eight games left here in the tournament for this weekend. Starting with the local school that's still left. The seven-seed Michigan State takes on the three-seed Kansas State. Michigan State somehow favored in this game. I suspect that line could end up as like a pick, but anywhere from one and a half to two, depending on when you look at the line, Michigan State is favored in this game. So this is a matchup of, in a way, 
similar teams, but in a way, not similar teams. And what I mean by that is that both of these two teams are great in the half court. Now, Michigan State, they do play one of the slowest paces in the country, 304th in the country out of around 350, give or take, Division I teams. And by the way, St. Francis Brooklyn is also eliminating basketball. It's another D1 school. So I say give or take 350 because teams kind of at that lower end move around and come and go. But the point being, Michigan State's a bottom 50 team as far as pace goes. They like playing slow. They like playing in the half court. And they live and die by the three. And that's different than K-State. K-State does not live and die by the three. Now, they can shoot the three, obviously. But K-State's got a, a big-time low-post presence, whereas Michigan State does not. Michigan State... You know, great player in Tyson Walker. A guy that I think is not a great player, but just a big game player is Joey Hauser. I like his game a lot. Love Tyson Walker, though. Um, but KSU just have, I mean, the difference in this game is going to be Keontae Johnson. I like K-State to win out right here a lot. Um, Marquise Noel and, and, and Noel and uh, Keontae Johnson, one of my favorite one-two punches in the entire tournament. KSU can go faster. KSU can bang down low and score. Michigan State's got, you know, they can protect the rim down there, but they're not going to score down low. So that's why I really like Kansas State in this game. They have more ways to beat you. Um, They play in a better conference. Um, And, yeah, I I just think Johnson and Naquan Tomlin and company should, should do pretty well down there, down low. So give me Kansas State outright. The outright win here. Over Michigan State, don't even worry about taking the points. Just take KSU on the money line. They get the job done here, and they will advance to the round of eight, which is pretty incredible to think about the fact that K-State was picked dead last in the Big 12 preseason by most people. And here they are knocking on the door of you know the almost the final four. They're one game away if they win this. So next game, we've got the eight seed Arkansas. I know KU fans too soon. Arkansas is a three and a half point dog against the four seed Yukon. Suspect this game probably ends at four when all is said and done, the line, I mean. So the real question to me, you know, Adama Sonogo down low there for for Yukon. Can can Arkansas slow down the big man? And, of course, UConn even has the backup true freshman that's 7 feet 2. But, I mean, he's coming off 24-8 and eight against St. Mary's. Sonogo is. So, does Arkansas have an answer down there to at least get him in foul trouble or semi-contain him? And then the other question for UConn, for me, is can they get off to a better start? We've seen them kind of have... Uh, I don't want to say they've laid an egg in the first half of games, but they've they've struggled a bit out of out of the out of the gate, and they can't do that against a a game Arkansas team that's extremely talented. As we talked about, three five star players on this team. I mean, again, going back to the SEC, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee. I mean, this league is loaded with high end teams. The best the best league in college basketball to me is the SEC this year. Uh, the Big 12 is kind of the, the popular answer, but I still think it's probably the SEC, followed by the Big 12. Unfortunately, my Big 10 is probably third, just a smidge ahead of the ACC, who's also been pathetic in this tournament. But, I mean, Devontae Davis, Ricky Council the fourth, etc. They're healthy. They're playing together. You got a shirtless coach with all sorts of game. Give me Arkansas on the points on this one, honestly. I, I think there's a decent shot Arkansas wins this game outright. I just think they're confident. I think I think UConn's a bit overhyped right now. We'll see what happens in this game. I'll take the points here, though. Uh, uh, whereas I like K-State 
on the money line to win the game outright, I would take the three and a half or four points here with Arkansas. Because I think this is a very close game. I think it's a competitive game. Um, I you know, I, I I think it's a coin flip who wins this. Honestly, I think it's a 50-50 who wins the game. So and you're giving me the points in that too. I love Arkansas on the points right here. I guess gun to my head, I'd say UConn barely holds on by like two, three points, one point, something like that. But don't be surprised at all if Arkansas pulls this out. The next one, the nine seed, Florida Atlantic. Somehow, only a four and a half point favorite against Tennessee, the four seed. Spoiler alert, pound Tennessee in this game. Only favorite. If it's less than five, if it closes at less than five or whenever you hear this and put it in, you take Tennessee. I mean, we talked about it. Those athletic, the wing and the the backcourt, the wings, the physicality, the length. It's a big physical basketball team. Florida Atlantic, meanwhile... They're the exact opposite. You know, they shoot threes and rely on threes more than anybody else left in this tournament. They're, there's, well, them and Michigan State, but I'd say Florida Atlantic even more so. You know, they need John L. Davis, Elijah Martin, et cetera, to get hot from deep, does Florida Atlantic. Rosado's an okay player down low, but this is this is a team that, that lives and dies by the three, and I don't think that flies against Tennessee. They would have to just get red hot in this game. But I think Tennessee wins this game by probably eight points or more. I think it's a really good bet for Tennessee. So if you can lock this in at five or under, if you want to put this in a money line parlay, I absolutely love Tennessee in the money line parlay this weekend. So to me, Tennessee is a fantastic game. I guess it's not even this weekend. It's Thursday. So <laughs> Thursday is that game. We're in the Thursday games right now. One more Thursday game. The three-seed Gonzaga in what could be the game of the weekend here. Oh, sorry, not weekend. Game of the night. Game of the Thursday, Friday. Could be the game of the weekend, I suppose. You know, when all said and done, but the three seed Gonzaga is getting two and a half points against the two seed UCLA. Take Gonzaga. I mean, you you take Gonzaga. Now, the question is do you take them on the money line or do you take the points? I think if it's two and a half or three, you take the points. If it's two or less, just take them outright. And the reason I say that is you're not going to win points. If, you know, if, if, they're, if they're a two point dog, if they end up losing by two, you don't win anything. You just get your money back. I don't know. I think, I think I'm more about. If, if, if losing by two gets me a dub, I'll take the points. But, you know, if, if, it's, if they're plus two, I just go ahead and take the Zags to win this game outright. I think they are going to win the game outright, too. I mean, we mentioned it. UCLA's good. Let's, let's not sleep on them. Jaime Jaquez, 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 what the hell, you, how the hell you say it. Got the mustache. He's been there for 16 years. I swear he's been there since Tyus Edney played at UCLA. How many, Seriously, and I, th- I think I heard he has another year of eligibility somehow. I swear some of these guys got three COVID years. Like, I don't know how he could still be back next year. Amari Bailey is stud, though, too, by the way, for UCLA. It's a good team. This is this is a really good team. The Pac-12 has had kind of, a, kind of a bad showing, looking at you, Arizona, also. But UCLA is a game team also, but I just don't think they have an answer for Drew Timmy. And all those great Gonzaga guards, I mentioned it at the top. Bolton, Smith, Strother, even my boy... From Omaha, Nebraska, that I wanted my Huskers to get. Hunter Salas on that team uh, in a wing, getting about 15 minutes a game as well. Gonzaga's loaded at the guard position, and I'm getting points here. There's no way I'm not taking Gonzaga if it's two and a half or three on the points, and I'm taking them outright if it's two or less. I think Gonzaga wins this game and moves on to the eight. Okay, let's move to Kansas City. How about this? On Friday, we're going to get to a couple games, two games at the T-Mobile Center here, but not the first game. The first game is... Played somewhere else. Where is this game at? Alabama. Where are they playing at? I can't remember. Anyway, it's the eight seed San Diego State taking on the one seed Alabama. Alabama laying seven and a half points here. 
San Diego State is similar to Michigan State, not in that they rely on the three that much. They do shoot some threes, but they they really want to slow it down and muck it up and make it a half-court game. That's what San Diego State's all about. Um, Princeton kind of the same way. We'll talk about them in a second. But Alabama just don't care, man. Alabama can play any style of game. They, I mean, they just bitch slap you no matter where you're playing. Half court, you want to play fast, they'll do the same thing. They're that good. And there, there's no way Alabama loses this game. So, again, you want to put this in a money line parlay with Tennessee? I love it. I love it. Um, the seven and a half, we could talk about that. I mean, that's kind of in question just because San Diego State is a good defensive team. They kind of try to limit the amount of possessions. So I get it. That's a little bit of a stressful number there. I'll take it. I'm going to take Alabama if it's eight or below in this game. And I'm certainly going to take them on the money line. They're a guaranteed money line parlay, Tennessee and Alabama, and maybe a game later on that I'm going to talk about here in a minute too. But I mean, as long as Brandon Miller is not in jail, <laughs> I think they'll cover the seven and a half. Javon Quinterly on an equal stud in his own right there for Bama. And how about Nick Saban, by the way, coming out and suspending a five-star football player and saying there is no such thing as being in the wrong place at the right time. A clear, a clear uh, kind of middle finger and uh, flubbing of the nose at Oates, the, the Nate Oates, the head coach of Alabama basketball. Um, interesting seeing Saban do that. I respect him for doing that, but I also, is it because he's just trying to do the right thing or is it just because he doesn't like the fact that basketball is getting headlines and also becoming a power there? Who knows? But I, I did like the message. I think it's ridiculous how Alabama has handled um, the whole situation with Brandon Miller, but that's a different topic for a different day. I like Alabama on this game, though, if it's eight or below. Definitely on the money line. Moving to Kansas City here. Got the five seed, the Miami Hurricanes, taking on the number one seed, Houston. This is an interesting line here. So I've been on a lot of favorites, a couple underdogs, like Gonzaga winning outright and K-State winning outright, they're, but they're barely underdogs. But I, here's an underdog here I like quite a bit on the points. Give me, I'm taking the seven and a half points here, the five seed Miami taking on the one seed Houston. Give me the seven and a half points for Miami. I think there's about a 35% chance Miami wins this game outright. And there's just too many points out there for Miami, this athletic Miami team that can space and spread you out. They can score so many different ways. And I know they didn't score much and, and struggled against Drake in the first round, right? But then Miami came back and, and just completely, I mean, and I'm going to say it. They dominated Indiana. Trace Jackson Davis, one of the best players, first team All-American, one of the best players in the tournament for Indiana. He's all they had. You know, uh, Miami came out and blew him out at the start. Indiana kind of made it close at halftime and then got a slight lead there early in the second half. But that game was never in question if you watch that game. They just spaced you out. The back cuts. They're well coached. They're athletic. I like this Miami team. Uh, I, I, I don't know. If you want to take one kind of um, long shot, quote unquote, on the money line this weekend, I absolutely am fine with you taking a shot on Miami and the money line. But absolutely take them and the seven and a half points taken on. Houston here. I, I just love their backcourt. Their backcourt. Jordan Miller, Isaiah Wong, Nigel Pack. I just think this is a really good team here. So I'm taking Miami in the points here, and I'm taking them pretty strongly. I like that one a lot. We have got a couple games left here. The 15 seed, Princeton, out of the Ivy League. Princeton actually was the number two seed regular season. Yale was the number one seed in the Ivy League, but Princeton won the. Uh, the uh, Ivy League tournament, and then, of course, the rest is history. Knocked off Arizona, smoked Mizzou, and here they are now. A nine-and-a-half-point favorite, the 15-seed Princeton, taking on the six-seed Creighton. And Princeton's just a wonderful Cinderella story, right? I mean, 
I don't can I don't consider Florida Atlantic a Cinderella story. They're an eight seed or a nine seed. They're a nine seed. Um, but like a 15 seed, truly, obviously, is not. And this is a 15 seed not getting the press they deserve, right? Because of because of FDU, Fairleigh Dickinson. Is anybody really even talking about Princeton? Like they beat Arizona, they smoke Missouri. Like. It seems like people are still focused on FDU. I feel like Princeton's not getting the love they deserve here. But take it on Creighton here. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt Creighton wins this game. So, spoiler alert, three-team money line parlay will be being bet big by me on FanDuel Sportsbook. Absolutely, I'll be pounding this. Tennessee, Alabama, and Creighton on the three-team money line parlay. I absolutely love that. Creighton with Kalkbrenner. Is so good. That that kid is legit good. They can shoot the basketball everywhere from across the floor. And I'm going to take Creighton on the nine and a half here. Not as confident. I mean, the money line's a lock. The nine and a half, it's a lot of points. I think they'll probably still cover it, though. I think they'll probably destroy Princeton here. I just think Kalkbrenner goes off. I, I think this is a 20 and 10 in his sleep here, like it is against most teams these days for him. Princeton just doesn't have the athletes, the shooters, the size in this game. I just think Creighton is next level good. I mean, remember, Creighton was preseason number one in a lot of places. So I just like Creighton spreading the floor, shooting the basketball, Clark Brenner going to work down low. It's it's an experienced team. McDermott been there forever coaching them. They're going to make the Elite Eight. They're going to beat Princeton to move on. Absolutely a lock on the Moneyline parlay. I don't hate it on the spread, but if you, I, I wouldn't get too cute. I, I, I would probably stay away from this game on the spread. I mean, you've got better bets out there. If you want to bet some straights, I, I definitely prefer Kansas State in the money line well over Creighton minus 9.5. Um, I would definitely prefer Gonzaga on the money line over UCLA over Creighton 9.5. I'd probably even take Arkansas plus 3.5 against UConn. I prefer Miami as a straight. I prefer Alabama as a state. This Creighton game is probably my least favorite bet of the straight. So I will not be taking Creighton on that many points, but I will have them on the Moneyline Parlay. Last game in Kansas City, finishing up here. T-Mobile Center Friday night. Hope to see you down there. Going to be a dogfight. This is going to be another really, really, really good game. Physical teams with great wings. I, I love guard play in the tournament, if you can't tell. Xavier comes in here. The three seed. They're a three and a half point dog against the two seed Texas Longhorns. Texas has a lot going for them in this game. First of all, they have more depth. And I know Texas plays eight players, maybe nine. But Xavier only plays seven. And they don't really even want to play seven players. They don't have any depth. And this Texas team is going to create foul trouble for them. I, I really believe that. I think I think Texas has them out-athleted. Is that a word? Out-athleted? They go deeper. I love their backcourt. Their backcourt. Again, I love backcourts. Dylan Daisu, Sir Jabari Rice. How cool is that name? Sir Jabari Rice. Marcus Carr, all three of those guys. I'm taking the team with the depth here, and I'm taking the team who's playing in a building they're very familiar with. That's that's something that should not be overlooked. I mean, being comfortable in a place. I mean, they play in the Big 12 tournament every year. They're, they were just here, what, what, a week and a half, two weeks ago, Texas? So they're right back in this building where they smoke Kansas. They've got good feelings here, to quote Flo Rida, our friend. I like Texas a lot in the three and a half in this game. I think it's a close game. I think Texas pulls this game out by six, seven points. I do think Xavier will compete. It's a tough team, man. Tough Cincinnati team there. But when the dust settles, I definitely certainly expect the Texas Longhorns 
to advance. So there you go. That's what I see happening. And again, I'm calling my shot now. I wish Killian was here to hear his thoughts on all this stuff too, but I'm calling my shot here too. I do think there's only three teams that can win the national championship at this point. Alabama, Tennessee, Gonzaga. So maybe, if you believe me, maybe you go and bet on all three of them to uh, on the futures to win the championship and, and know that you're going to make money if one of them does and decent money if it's one of the longer shot ones. Okay, last thing here before we get on out. It's time for the lock of the week where we're sitting 46 and 22, 68%. Hit it! Let's make you some money on FanDuel with Dave O's Lock of the Week. And it's time to get back to 69%. I blew it last week. Now back to 68% after losing the Lock of the Week. Still sitting at 46 and 22, though. But yeah, we're back in the winning track this week. And I'll tell you, we've been talking about it all show long. Your Lock of the Week is plus 120, that three-team Moneyline parlay I keep talking about. Creighton will beat Princeton. Princeton's too busy studying, man. They got things to worry about, although Creighton thinks they're like an Ivy League school in Omaha, too. Not a big Creighton fan in general. I'm a Nebraska basketball fan. Don't like Creighton. Nebraska did beat Creighton this year, by the way. Suck it, Blue Jays. But Creighton gets this win. On the money line, Alabama absolutely is going to win the game. Tennessee absolutely going to win the game. We've talked about these three games at length. Don't get cute. There's several great straights as well that I think are are 65% or 60% bets. I think this is a 75 to 80% bet. Go ahead and pound it. Ride with me here. Three-team money line parlay ends up at plus 120. Creighton money line, Alabama money line, Tennessee money line. Let's Go! And there you have it. I, I need Killian in here to, to say something clever after I yell that, but he's not here. So in my head, I hear him saying, okay, let's go, bro. All right, that's it for this edition of the KC Press Box. Hopefully you enjoyed listening. Not quite as entertaining, probably, as when Killian's here. I apologize for that, but I do think we gave you some solid information. Hopefully you picked some stuff up here, learned some stuff. Um... And enjoy listening. So make sure you tell a friend. It means a lot. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, um, Apple, Amazon, Google. Uh, we're through Anchor. We're all over the place. The KC Press Box. Please tell a friend. Uh, make sure you check out FanDuel Sportsbook. Some absolutely incredible stuff going on there uh, during the tournament. And, of course, like I said, we'll be back again. Killian should be back from his uh, herpes um, procedures he's working on right now to get better, a.k.a. COVID-19. Should be back next week. Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll have our MLB season preview for the KC Royals and we'll of course preview the four games, the, the two games, the, the four teams that will be left here and the tournament coming up next week with Killian back. Until then, enjoy your weekend, go make that cash, and we are out. Powered by FanDuel, it's the KC Press Box with Davo and Killian White.